Hello, Salon Sleuth fans. My name is Melissa and my co-host is Leslie. We decided we wanted to share our salon stories. We both have an interest in crime stories and a fascination with the psychic world. So settle in each week as we share another story with you. Who knows, you might even learn something. Let's talk. I have a story. Well, it's not a story. It's something that actually happened. And um, and the more I was reading into this, like, um, and then I just finished the documentary right before we had called each other. But um, how easily people fall into like cults or gangs and things like that. And um, so the reason why I looked into this a little bit too, is because we had been talking about reincarnation and afterlife and these two people who had found each other really thought that they were, they had known each other in a past life and that they were reincarnated to meet each other again. And basically um, they really believed that they were the two so I don't know the Bible super well, but they, they were the two witnesses in the new Testament that they talk about in the new Testament and that they were, they're actually, um, Jesus and his father. Oh, and so this couple, um, who are completely platonic, there's no, nothing. The man, his name is Marshall Applewhite. Her name was Bonnie Nettles. And, um, she was a nurse and he was a professor at one time and he was a gay professor. And I think he had gotten in some trouble because he had a relationship, I believe with one of his, um, and I, I could have this wrong, but one of his students. And, um, so he believes that basically he was Jesus and that he has this calling to bring people to understand, um, to follow him basically. And he had met, um, Bonnie years later when he, after he's sorry, let me go back. He founded this in 1974 and his name was Marshall Applewhite. And, um, he is a professional, like he's very smart and it was believed that he went to go visit a friend in a hospital who was sick. And Bonnie was one of the nurses there. There was rumors that it was actually a mental hospital, but it was never confirmed that they were had met an actual mental hospital, but that she was a nurse and they had met because he went to go visit a friend and she was married and she had kids at the time. And they just kind of clicked. It was like he said when he met her, it was like they knew each other and they've known each other their whole lives. This is how they felt. And you probably have had friends like that where you meet and there's just, you just get each other. For sure. Yeah. For sure. I have a friend, she was actually a client who had come in and there was just something that, like, I was just drawn to her. She was super funny and amazing. And I just, it was like, we were sisters and then she moved away, but we still will text each other here and there. But it was like when they, when you haven't seen somebody forever and then they come back into your lives and you don't even have to get mad at them. You haven't called me and blah, blah, blah. They're just like, what have you been doing? Yeah. You know, those people. Yes. I'm sure that's how they felt for whatever reason. But he was a gay man and she was actually a little offended that he never wanted to be with her in that way. But part of their whole group was um, to get away from all of those feelings and to really focus on God. Right. So what they wanted their people in their group is to get rid of all personal belongings. Like you would walk away from your family. You like you. Melissa would walk away from your husband and your children and your car, sell everything, leave your house, just come with nothing and be a part of the group and just really focus on 
what their message is and to fill yourself with God and that your body, your actual physical body is just your vehicle that you're in. And it's so watching this documentary was super crazy because part of me was like, okay, I could see how people could easily get influenced by this. And he, and one of the men in the documentary was saying, you know, Christopher Columbus didn't come to find the new world because he was missing something in Spain. He just knew there was something more out there. So there's these people, this group of people who are searching for more, even though you have your life together, you just know that there's something more to it. And that's the people that they had found, which is super kind of scary too, because there's lots of us who are exploring, you know, afterlife or psychics and all of that stuff. And we're looking for these things. And although we're totally happy in our lives, we're, I feel like we're more just, what is this all about? Well, those are the same kind of people who fell into this. So, and I mean, these are people that have had like really amazing jobs and stuff. So we'll go into this a little bit more. He, um, you know, Bonnie and Marshall changed their names a few times. For a while, they were Bo and Peep. Little Bo and Peep, I guess. <laughs> then eventually, they changed their name to T and Doe. He had gotten, um, at one point, like hundreds of followers. And then this is the other part that was so weird. There was a time in their life where, I think it was in 1975, they were in an Oregon coast beach. And I'm trying to figure out which beach that was. Actually, I have my notes here. Um, they all met there for like a retreat and it was like a three day long retreat of some sort. And they had gotten, like I said, over a hundred members and people were all over the place. And then all of a sudden, uh, I'm trying to figure out, sorry, what beach that was. Um, Anyway, I had written it here. It's the Oregon coast. Um, they had rented a hotel in Walport, Oregon. And they were, all these people, you know, they were coming from all over. They were told to sell everything. They come to this beach and then they all disappear. And the media is like, who are these people? Like, where did they go? And they weren't really sure. Were they resurrected? Were they, are they missing somewhere? Nobody knew where they were. And so, but what happened with those groups, they all broke off into different sections. And what they were trying to do is stay underground. And this is basically when everybody changed their names. They didn't want the government to have any way of tracking where they were or who they were. And um, they were going out and then they were, (laughs) it's so weird because they would go to secret locations that they were told to go to. Like, let's just say 7-Eleven. They'd go to 7-Eleven and then on the side of the 7-Eleven, they would find a package of food And they had to decipher from the words on the packaging what the message was from a higher power. What? Yeah. And so there's actually a video on the documentary of them looking at like this old thing of bread. And they're like, you know, trying to figure out what the message is within it. Because like they're trying to say none none of it is your own thought. They They were taught that any of your thoughts weren't really from you. It was something from higher. And here's the thing, like, this is what one of the guys was describing is they're trying to separate themselves from their own body and their own mind. So Melissa, if I was having an issue with you, like I would say, Melissa, my vessel, my, I have, um, 
an influencer, which is something outside of me. I have an influencer who is um, having a difficult time with your influencer on this particular subject. And so they would be paired up with a group, you know, like, so it would normally be a man and a woman that would be paired up together, but there were more women than there were men. So there, so sometimes there would be, you know, two of the same sex. So in working together, there's going to be some conflicts that you would also get really attached to that one person. So if once they started to getting on each other's nerves, they knew it wasn't them, but it was the influencer, their spirit was having a problem with their spirit, but not them personally. So then that way it'd be a way for them to disconnect, but be able to work it out. Yes. And so not take responsibility for your own actions. Yes, because none of it is your own thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. So, and when they're referring to in this documentary, because they also have these videos of these people right before, you know, what they ultimately did. And they're all talking about it. They're all actually very excited about leaving this world and they're about leaving their vessel. They never talk about their own body or that they're scared or whatever, because they're going to something bigger and better. And because they are filled with God, they're actually going to heaven, where if you aren't filled with God and something happens to you, you are just reincarnated to get through it until you learn the big picture. And they all feel like they have. And so when they die, however way they do die, they will be going to heaven and they're going to be with dough or tea. I can't remember who was who was who. I think tea, excuse me. So they would be with tea again in heaven. Who's tea? Tea is the guy, I believe, because dough, I could get them. I might have them mixed up. Dough actually dies in the eighties of cancer. Um, I can't remember what kind of cancer she had. She had liver cancer. She is the woman, Bonnie. So Everybody was supposed to be so disconnected from who they are and their own bodies, right? So no sex at all between any of them. In fact, eight of the 15 men had been, what is it called? Uh, Castrated. Castrated. Oh. And they said one of the members was a nurse. I wonder who that would be. There could be more than one nurse. We know that Bonnie was a nurse at one time, but um, they did a home one a home castration and it didn't go well. Um, there was, I was telling Mike this to Michael and he's like, you can just stop right now. Like, I was like, <laughs> no, I guess it was, it was infected. And he's like, okay, that's enough. Like, I don't want to hear anymore. Um, <laughs> so from then on, the other members went to Mexico and they got castrated there. Oh, geez. So that you're not even tempted at all because you have no desire. Right. I guess. Oh, Um, yeah. So they went to those extents to kind of get rid of those feelings and, um, and to really focus on, you know, their path or whatever. They always had $5 and some change on them at all times because they needed a little bit of money and they also needed, um, to be able to call people because that's what the quarters were for. So when they were in Oregon and they met here, um, on the Oregon coast at Walport, they um, all congregated and then they were told to meet at this other location in a different state. And of course, I don't know what state that was and where it was exactly, but um, it was a totally different state. They had to be there in three weeks. Everybody who left that day got $50 and they basically said, we'll see you there or not, you know? And so these are the people that you can either head there with your $50 there right now and get to that place and we'll see you there. 
or you can travel around, try to recruit other people, but we'll meet you there. And so that's where they lost a bunch of people. And at the end, you know, um, they just didn't have a huge following any longer after, you know, 20 something years. So we'll get down to, um, they rented a huge mansion in, um, California. Let's see. I will give you that address I have somewhere. Um, it was a 9,200 square foot house in California. Where'd they get the money to rent it? Okay. So, that was a question that I had. And when I Googled it, it sounds like, you know, everybody there was super smart. Well, not everybody. And maybe there's mental illness. I don't know exactly. I, I would assume that to be able, I don't know, because the more I read into it, the more I'm like, I can understand why somebody could do this. Um, they would do web designs for people and they just charge, you know, cash. They rented this house cash, $7,000 a month. They paid in cash to rent this home. What? Yeah. It was really crazy. And they weren't there very long. Cause I think they ran, they rented it in January. And by March, this whole thing happened throughout this 20 something years. Right. They kept saying, this is the other kicker. They were all going to be abducted by basically aliens. That's how they were going to be going to the next realm. The next, you know, heaven was this UFO was coming to collect them. So not only did they believe in God and they believed in a higher power, but that it was all parts of the alien life. Hmm. So sorry, that was a big part of all of this because throughout those 20 years uh, T and Doe kept saying that I think it's coming that, you know, they're coming for us. We're going to go to this field and then nothing would happen. And they're like, shoot, like how are we going to, we got to go to another location because they're, they're kind of looking around them, looking for signs of different things. And finally remember hail bop. Yes. Which I always thought was hail Bob, but it's bop, which is named after Lee. No, it's Hale Bob. So Bob, okay. um, Hale was the last name of one man um, out of Arizona and the Bob came from another man, I believe in New Mexico. And they found that they, they basically were the first people to see and name this comet that was going around. And so they put them together. Um, they were amateur astrologists and they um, found this thing. So we were able to see this Hale Bob for 18 months. It was kind of circling our atmosphere but the Heaven's Gate people, the Heaven's Gate away team believed that the airship or the spaceship was traveling behind the hail bob. And oh. it was their time. They had like a date planned. They had this all, I mean, they worked it out um, pretty like down to every detail. Okay, this is the other crazy thing I saw that. So they paid $7,000 a month in cash for this house. And in that same month, the group purchased alien abduction insurance that would cover up to 50 members and would pay out a million dollars per person. And the policy covered abduction, impregnate, impregnation, impregnation, whatever. If they got impregnated. Yes. Or death by aliens. Okay, first of all, where do you get that insurance? Second of all, who are they going to pay it out to? They're next of kin? Okay, I want to be that insurance agent. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> because they just made a ton of money for nothing. Because none there's of that happens. Policies, there's policies for that? Like, where do you get... Okay, I, hi, this is 
farmers. Maybe Jake at State Farm. <laughs> Seriously, because in like 1996, maybe they don't have the, some of the strict rules that they do now. <laughs> Or whatever you oh, so they just made that policy up. That's not like a it policy. It doesn't say have. like it doesn't say that. It just says that they purchased this policy. And I was just like, what is that? Like I've asked for some weird policies <laughs> or what I thought I was asking for the right thing. And I think I asked for maybe is it an umbrella policy? Yeah, that's not a weird thing. Okay, but I called it something else. And she was <laughs> like, Are you talking about an umbrella? And I, I think I called it some not like an umbrella, but like a, I don't remember what I called it. And she was laughing at me. She's like, overhang or something. Yeah, something like that. And she's like, I think you might have this confused with something else. Like maybe you could just, you know, insure anything at one point, but now you, you have your drop down windows and all your computers where you just can't drop a policy. And honestly, whoever agent that was, was like, I'll take your money and I'm going to give you this piece of paper that says you're covered, knowing Seriously. that this one ever, anyway. Yeah, it was. Um, who who would they pay it to? Was was the the thing John is they walked away from the whole family, and even or, the tea and dough were leaving with them. So I'm there's like say, was tea, tea planning to to be the benefactor on all those policies. Although there are some members that didn't leave. So, huh. yeah. Okay, so um, this all happened March nineteenth through the twentieth were this this final exit for the um away team of the Heaven's Gate people. And um it's really sad. They went into three different stages. I think a total of 39 people. So there were I think it was like 15 and 15 and then the last people went. And so what they did was they ate um oh gosh, let me see what was the name of that drug that they had phenobarbital phenobarbital yes um they ate that in applesauce or pudding and washed it down with vodka and they were all wearing all black including black nike shoes nike decades decades shoes okay they had five dollars and 75 cents in their pockets every single person so they basically, they ate the stuff, they drank the vodka, they were all wearing the same outfits. They went and laid down on their bunk beds and all their beds in this 9,200 square foot mansion and they would die. And they basically put bags on their heads just to make sure that they passed away. Then Jeez. the second group would go in, remove the bags and then lay a purple blanket over them. And so they know that those were the, the people that had passed away. So then you get the second group. So the third group is actually taking care of the second group, making sure that the bags are removed off their heads, the purple blankets are placed on them after they've passed away. And then the last group that goes, including Tierdo, whichever one that was that Marshall guy, or um, Apple House or whatever his name was, Apple White. Um, Apple White. After he died, um, they know that he wasn't the last one to die because um, he had the purple blanket placed on top of him. So there were only two people that did not have the blankets. And those were the last two people that they believed that had passed away. Again, everybody had black shirt, black pants, black Nike decade shoes and $5 and 75 cents in their pockets because they always carried $5 and they always had quarters to make phone calls and they all died. And so you have this huge mansion. So what they did was right before what year was this? 1996. 1996. 
ethics. Yeah. So basically, I think in on March 26, 1996, there were two packages that were delivered. I believe four, but two we know for sure that went to two of the ex-members. And one of them worked in like the internet world, the media. And he believes I got this package because I need to put it out on the internet. And one of them was the videotape of everybody that, um, you know, saying they're good, they're, they're farewell, farewells, I guess, basically. None of them were scared. No one felt like they were pressured. They were all very excited to leave because they were only leaving their vessel. They kept saying they were so disconnected from their body that they were excited to be going off to heaven. And so this is the other thing the, the video from the actual man, the leader, he's basically saying, you know, people feel like suicide is a bad thing, but he goes, this is God is reaching out to us and he's telling us, come with us. He goes, if I stayed, that would be suicide. But by dying now, I'm only following what he's saying and I'm going to go be with him. Okay. Yeah. So it's the whole thing. All these people died. The house, um, basically, it was in um, Rancho Santa Fe, California, and it was at eight one eight three four one Corlina Norte, and um, this house was huge in a gated community. Of course, everyone was freaking out. So the man who works at the like the internet company gets this package, and he knows immediately something's not right. It was addressed to him from him. So he, um, gets a ride from his, he told his boss what's going on, um, gets a ride from LA to this place in Rancho, you know, Santa Fe, California. And, um, they have a video camera and he said, I, I knew that it was going to smell in the house. So he was, I, I just knew. So he had cologne that he sprayed on his shirt and he covered his nose with it. And you see the video camera and it's going through this house. And he's just calling out to see if anybody is alive. Then once they realized that nobody was, they went back outside. And then that's when they called the authorities. And he felt like, you know, he was contacted because he, uh, to make it into put it into the media because this the leader believes that there was a small window that if other people wanted to follow suit, there's still time. And so there were other people months later that were part of this little cult who decided to go. And then he said, you know, you're probably going to find them in, you know, hotels and, you know, different places. Um, because he had reached out to people and even people who are listening it to it the first time, you know, there's still time if they want to do it, their website is still up, but it hasn't changed since this date, since before this has happened. And somebody is still maintaining it. It actually expires December 17th of this year. I believe somebody is, keeps renewing it. So somebody huh. is still going to renew it again. I'm, I believe Um, and it says you can contact them to get information. Of course, I didn't want to, because I didn't want, I didn't want to be (laughs) tagged and put on some list or, you know, I just didn't know somebody's out there still doing it. Um, but I found that was really interesting. And then like when you go and look up their website a little bit, there's all these other different things like, um, mineit.org leads to TraceNet. And all of this is like, if you go to their website and and there's all these different other links, it takes you to this other, all these different things. And one of them is for meditation. It's a meditation network is somehow linked to their website, 
Like, so they're still no. trying to maybe get member. I don't know. And maybe that was just from way back then. That's how they were able to get the information out. Um, but I do know after all of this, those Nike shoes, that particular style were selling yeah. for thousands and thousands of dollars because people <gasps> are crazy. That house too. Let me see if I can find this. That house ended up selling for like super, super cheap because the owner of that house could no longer rent it and couldn't sell it. So he lost it for foreclosure. Oh and um, because obviously when somebody dies in the house, let alone 38 people in a mass suicide, how would you yeah. ever do that? So I believe it was sold for super cheap. And I wish I could find the the um the amount because I think it was like four hundred and forty eight thousand or it could have been six anyway it was way under um uh, a million right in that, in that area for sure so I and I what I read somewhere was the neighborhood people bought it and then they tore it down and then what they did was somebody else came in and bought it uh, built a new house and they renamed the street oh wow um because how could you ever you know, live in a place like that. I mean, I don't even know if I'd want to be on the land. I, and I, I remember the whole hail bop thing because my dad was super into it and I have no idea. I'm like, I could see, I could really probably see my dad being a member of this, something like this. I'm not kidding. <laughs> really? I really think, um, he could have been in something like that. I wish I could find the amount of the house because it went for so cheap. It was ridiculous. Um, but then again, nobody was going to live there anyway. The owner of that house ended up going um, to prison for something. So not related to any of this, but it just so happens to be like a couple years later, he ended up um, uh, doing some illegal activity and getting arrested and put in jail anyway. But so I, I think sometimes people are looking for something instead of just living our lives. Right. So yeah. I find myself um, drawn to this other world of trying to figure out my past life and ghosts and spirits. And I'm always been re re intrigued by all of this. And then there's times in my life where I'm like, what am I doing? Like I'm spending so much time doing this. I'm missing the whole point of being here and experiencing this. Mm -hmm. If I'm trying to figure out where I just came from. Oh, interesting. Right. But then every time feeling. I do that sometimes and then I'm like, I'm not going to do this for a while. And I stop. And then all of a sudden I'll get a new client that says something. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. That And it draws me back in. Right. So I've, I've, yeah. I've been like this my whole entire my life. My parents were like this. We lived in a haunted house at one time and I was way too young to understand. And honestly, what I believe now to have been happening was probably more like a poltergeist, which I think was feeding from my sister. Because poltergeists, they say, are the energy of usually younger people. Oh, and why I believe because it, it was a time where my parents were divorcing, and I think it was a very traumatic time, probably more so for my sister who was seven years older than me. Then I was so young, I didn't know what was going on. But in this house that we lived, okay, and given I'm a child of the '70s, so my parents were total hippies as we talked about before and my mom, you know, played with a Ouija board and she believed in all of that stuff. And so did my dad. And so weird things would happen. And <laughs> when I was a kid, we had this really big bedroom. It was probably very small, but it was big where we had two twin beds on each side and always on my side of the room, 
the light bulb. And I, I can't, I don't remember what it looked like, but I'm guessing it looks something like a recessed light, except it wasn't okay. recessed. I think it was just like a light bulb hanging from the ceiling. Okay. That light bulb would just drop out and bounce on the floor. It didn't break. It would bounce on the floor. The other thing was it didn't come unscrewed. It would disconnect from the silver part. So my mom what? would have to turn off the electricity to the house, get up there with a pair of pliers and get that metal thing off. And it didn't just happen once. It happened a few times. Then another time, I always was very, very fearful of the shower head in the bathroom. My mom would have yeah. to wrap it with a towel. I, I couldn't take a bath unless that thing was covered. And I remember being really scared of that. I remember thinking somebody's watching me through that thing. My sister hated our upstairs. It had um, our upstairs had like a basically like a floating wall, which was like um, it had a hidden room. The, oh, the wall moved yeah. and my sister hated the upstairs. And at one time, I believe my parents' bedrooms were up there, but my sister couldn't stand it. My sister would wake up up there, like sleepwalk up there. Oh, and then she'd freak out and have to come down. And um, I guess at one point, like all the small appliances in the house stopped working, just stopped working. And then my mom said that her, she was telling this story to a, a coworker saying basically that the house was haunted. And she's like, oh, you should do this ritual. Basically, wherever you think this thing is, you put a candle underneath it and you say these certain things. And then whatever the candle does is it tells you about the spirit. So my mom and my aunt go and put this table at the base of the stairs with a candle, right? Okay. And they say whatever it is. And supposedly, like, if the light flickers, this is what this means. If the light goes out, this is what this means. And that this happens, you know, this is what it means. So my mom right. and my aunt are sitting there. And this is just what the story I've been told. And maybe my own mind filled in the gaps. And maybe it's not all true. I don't really know because my mom's not here to ask anymore. But she basically said that they did this ritual. The light went out. The black smoke went up and the light came back on. And my mom said, and we left the house and we never went back. What? Like they, I, I mean, this could be. So that was like the last you ever lived there? Um, well, I, I can't, I'm guessing I was way too young and my mom's not here to ask anymore, but she had always said that happened and we moved out. We didn't go back to that house. Or, you know, we were just gone. Of course, now I'd be like, oh, I, you know, <laughs> you'd want to stay in there and figure it out. Totally. And, and, but I really believe it might've been my sister all along because um, I'd have to say I was like late elementary school. My dad always stayed in that neighborhood. I went to the house. I knocked on the door. Hey, oh my gosh. I used to live here. Did you know it was haunted? Do you guys see anything ever? <laughs> and they're looking at me like, I did. They were like, I don't know what you're talking about. No. You, you need to leave, you little crazy girl. <laughs> but at one time, my sister was almost kidnapped from that house. Her twin bed was next to the window. And she woke up screaming because somebody was trying to roll her out of the bed. <gasps> for real? Yeah, we have for real. Did you see this person? No, or Again, I was seven years younger than my sister. And my sister was very young. But she, the window was open and she said she felt somebody rolling her out of the bed. My sister, and I don't know if this is any, uh, I'll, you know, what this is all about, but uh, she, I don't know if she still does, but she used to get that 
sleep paralysis. Yes. And you know what? Have you read into that at all? Well, no, but I have, I think I've, I mean, she probably is asleep and is paralyzed, right? Yeah. And, but people sometimes feel like it's like a, a spirit or something's in there with them and they just cannot move. She said it felt like somebody was sitting on her and that she wouldn't be able to move. So she would be fighting it and fighting it and fighting it. And then finally it would break free. But I don't know if it has to relate back to all of this weird stuff that we were going through. Wait, does she sleep like that all the time? Not or? all the time, but it's, it's probably more common than we think. Um, Ella has a friend who gets sleep paralysis and she's had weird things where um, I think she's maybe also a very vivid dreamer. She felt like um, she could hear rap music outside her bedroom. And there are some boys that live across the street, um, but she would hear people talking or she would do things and it's all in her sleep. So I don't know if she's just a super vivid dreamer or she, I think she also has sleep paralysis and it doesn't happen all the time, but there's movies about it and stuff. And I've watched a few, they're pretty good, but um, only because I've never personally experienced it, but I know people out there who believe it to be really you know, dramatic and oh my gosh. traumatic, I've not ne- dramatic. Yeah. I've never heard. Uh, I've never really researched that. Or I, I mean, I assume from the name. Yeah. Okay. So your, your sister basically had, does she talk about this? This is, this was a crime of opportunity. Somebody just decided to come in and try to steal her. Does she talk about it? Um, I've never asked her about it. Um, I probably should, I should ask her. We should have her on here. She's, yeah. uh, she's always, very um uh she doesn't share She's very private. much yes very private but um i'm sure she would I, I wonder if she remembers more details than she you know would that you know at the time if it would be different than it is now but i should ask her so i i feel like she probably has you know probably abilities if she um cuz i think she was our poltergeist Okay, which cracks me up because you, ha- we know you have some sort of draw to this. Why you think it's her and not you, I'm totally flabbergasted by. Only because I was super young and, and I don't know, maybe people don't even know where this comes no, from. When you're super young, you're actually tapped into it. Yeah, maybe, but I don't feel like I was affected like my sister would have been during that time. That's maybe because you weren't scared of it. But you know what I mean? Like, I- when you look at poltergeist, it's like energy from some a, a specific person. Right. And she fit that mold. I don't know. Maybe it was. If you'd like to be on our show and ask Suzanne a question or two about your career, your love life, or family, please contact us on our website at www.salonsluce.com. We take calls the first Monday of the month. For a full appointment with Suzanne, go to her website. Thank you. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.